All right, got my iPad here. Go ahead and get it out. I'm going to go to Safari and pull up, as advertised on last week's podcast, the new numbers from Gallup on procrastination. This is going to blow you guys away. Dude, let's do that next week. Next I, week. I don't even have Wi-Fi. That's, then let's do it next week. All right, so we're going to have to do it next week. Push, next, push the – Next week, the numbers on procrastination. Yes. Okay, so – since we're already here, we're going to go ahead and talk to you guys about the people that make this show happen. Give us the opportunity to travel, be able to buy nice equipment in order to get you guys the most quality. And um, some may say best <laughs> podcast that's out there in the whole. You better hurry. All of podcasts. You were just talking will. about how hungry you were. I am hungry. Unfortunately, right now. We got a problem with this coronavirus. coronavirus right now. Now, if you're listening to this in six months, one of two things has happened: either coronavirus is a thing of the past, or we're all dead. Or you're not listening to this in six and months. In which case, you're not listening. <laughs> but um, if you are right now, you're listening to this podcast this week and the week that it's released, then a lot of places are shutting down right now. Lazaria Italian Oven, which has been a great sponsor of the podcast, right now they are only doing carry out. And so all these months and weeks that we've been doing the podcast, giving out that phone number, now is the most important time to have that number because you're going to be hungry Eight, and you're going to start craving spaghetti. You're seven, start, start, start. zero. Oh, he's giving the number. Nine, I didn't realize what he's doing here. Three, one. Four seven zero zero eight seven zero nine three one four seven zero zero. Get rid of those cravings for Italian food. Call it in. Go pick it up. Lazari Italian. Let me tell you today. something else you need to get rid of is that number to Fazoli's that's in your phone right now. Yeah, we know that you have it saved in your phone. Get rid of it just and replace hearing, it just with Fazari Italian. Just oven. hearing that name makes my stomach start cramping. There is. <laughs> There's nothing worse than an ice-cold breadstick dipped in some bland sauce. You ain't going to get that from Lazari Italian Oven. You know what else you're not going to get? You're not going to get disappointed. Go by, pick up your meal at 2230 South Caraway Road here in Jonesboro. Give them a call. Since it is pickup only, 870-931-4700. But that's only for during this crisis. After everything's back, they're going to go back to dine in. and Go ahead and uh, get yourself something nice, take somebody out. But make sure you do it in a healthy and safe way. But you know what else you're going to get? Well, if you call Nat Anderson, you won't get disappointed. I can tell you that right now. Because if, if you call Nat Anderson, he's going to give you some quality service and take care of your heat and air. Look, you're going to have to be quarantined inside all day. No Might point, as well be comfortable. No point, yeah, no point in suffering and over there dreading, you know, waking up in the morning because, you know, your house is going to be Eight, too cold or too hot. Seven. He's zero, doing it to me again. Here he nine, is. He's cutting me off with this three, phone number. Five, Here he is. Just keeps one, on going. I'm going to talk five, right through it. He's going to disrail, derail me this time. Well, I guess he kind of did. I did stammer, stammer a couple of times. <laughs> Give me that number again. 870-935-1155. Give our good friend Nathaniel Anderson a call with Anderson Heat and Air. He services anywhere that needs to be serviced. Anywhere. Anywhere. He'll take, he'll take care of you. Brian's satisfied with him. He's put in a unit at my house. He's a great guy, but even better yet, his service is great as well. Top notch. Call Nat Anderson at Anderson Heat and Air today. 870-935-1155. Five. He's got as many five-star reviews as we do on our podcast, if not more. Uh, I hope And there's not. a lot of five-star reviews out there. Yeah, yeah. Also, talk about not being disappointed. I love my house that I'm living in right now. I got that from Dustin with List with LiveOak.com. I told him what I wanted. I told him what we were looking for, the area we were looking for, the neighborhood, the quality. You know what? It wasn't even three hours later. He gave me a, I, I, I don't want to hear nothing. I'm already sold. Give me the number and the contact. 870-520-2522. Listwithliveoak.com. 
com. Man, I'm sold. I want to. I want to make sure if I've got if I'm looking for a house, I'm looking to list. I'm doing it with Live Oak. Tell me about the Drifted Drum Company. When you get your new home, you want to have a nice library. Even though you probably don't read very much, you want people to think you do. So you want to have a nice bookcase with a bunch of books on it. Well, that's what you did. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> and I've got a lot of books in it, but there is one book in particular you need to get. And it shouldn't just be a part of your decoration, but it should be something you should read and invest it into your own life because it's got a message that's going to encourage like none you. none other. And it's going to help you. Dr. April Jones, she wrote a good book. You Pause can- right there. Go friend her on Facebook. Dude. That is so inspirational, the stuff she posts. What an idea. The stuff that she posted today about her son. He was born right after the big tragedy of 9-11. Now there's a big tragedy now when he's about to graduate. So she's putting two and two together. They must be destined for something great. Shout out class of, what is it, 2020? 2020. Yeah. They got a 2020 vision at that school. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and every one of our churches. Uh, so to, in order to get that book, you need to go to the driftedrumcompany.com and use the promo code. Crucial. And to get a 10% discount on that book. Wait, and, that's not all. There's more? You get a free companion journal with the purchase of a book that is 10% off by putting in promo code Crucial. I'm not even going to ask you to spell it because I've seen you spell. But go in to the... He's looking at me like I'm crazy. Go in, get your discount coupon code, get 10% off your entire purchase, not just the book. Send April Jones some love. Go ahead and spell crucial real quick, bub. C-R-U-C-I-A-L. You want to bet? Crucial. Yeah, I should. I think you did all right. I should. I, I think, think I did too. Right. Guys, enjoy man, this whenever conversation. Whenever you said the thing about more, I'm just over here thinking, man, she didn't have to bless us, but she did. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, enjoy this week's episode of the Crucial Conversation. Richard Lee. Richard Lee. Thank you for- Brothersville, uh, Missouri. Man, he invited us into his uh, nice, beautiful church. Mm-hmm. Treated us like kings. It took him like 15 minutes to drive to the church. 15 seconds. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's 15 seconds. Yeah, he does. He lives Guys, on campus. Guys, so. you know what you're tuned into. Thanks for being here. A different avenue than what is more traditional uh, for a church. We're, we're reaching people and bringing people in that that uh, uh, that are living together, that are smoking, that are that don't live like we live, uh, don't do the things that we do, and and it's it's a uh, uh, it, it's a, it's a burden. It, it's a burden to see that done. I want to do. I want to see more things done in the community. Uh, I would love love to see, and of course Carlton works in that area, but to, to see more homes available for, for people that, that are homeless and uh, and things like that, and 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 to and to just keep keep pushing in that area. I feel like that that's the greatest burden that I have right now is is for uh, is for the the, the recovery uh, people that are in our community. Hey guys, this is Brian, and I'm Tony, and you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Well, we are finding ourselves in Carothersville, Missouri, talking to um, Pastor Richard Lee. Um, Thank you so much for inviting us into your church, beautiful church. Um, as we were just looking at pictures, it's not always look like this. Right. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for taking time to uh, to talk with us today. All right. So let's get right in. Let's let's learn who you are. Um, where do you come from? How did how did you get into this whole? Okay. Well, actually, I was born and raised here in Carothersville. Uh, my my family is all from Carothersville. 
there's seven of us all together, uh, siblings. And, um, but uh, I, I got, actually was raised in church all my life in, in the uh, Pilgrim Holiness Movement, uh, which is now the Wesleyan Church, which is a lot like the, uh, um, the Nazarene. And uh, I've got, a, I've got a, a brother that's 18 months older than I am that is uh, the pastor of the Wesleyan Church here in Crothersville, uh, been for 30 years, I guess. But we were all raised in that church. And um, I, got, I got into the, into the apostolic movement in 1981, actually. And uh, we were kind of not real happy with what was going on at the Wesleyan Church at that time. And uh, we was kind of shopping around for a church. And we visited several churches. And um, we'll uh, get back into it. But I, I, there's a question that I've been wanting to ask okay. you since I found out uh, about your brother pastoring. What yeah. is it like pastoring in the same city as your brother? Completely two different religions. Yeah. What's that like? Well, I, uh, I, I don't know exactly how to explain it. You know, I, I've done. I haven't done. I, I've. I've been here all my life, so I don't know what it would be like to pastor in a city where he wasn't here. <laughs> so uh, it's just uh, uh, we we uh, we both serve on the ministerial alliance here in Crothersville. Uh, he's the uh, treasurer and I'm the secretary, and uh, we we uh, we do a lot of community things together. Of course, my uh, a lot of my family still goes to the Wesleyan Church, and most most of the. Uh, uh, when there's a death in the family, he he usually does the funerals for them, and all because that's where our family's from. So it, it's it it's a little uh, it's a little different. Uh, we don't, uh, uh, ironically, we don't uh, discuss religion a lot. You know, we're at family events and things. We don't get into uh, doctrinal things and stuff like that. But uh, it's just, uh, and I know all the people there pretty well because I was I was raised in it years ago and. And it's a small community, and so I know a lot of the people that go to his church, and he knows a lot of people that come to our church. You know, so it's a, so what when you were let's let's call it shopping for a church. Yeah, what in the world made you pick an apostolic church coming from from that background? That's very different. Yeah, it's than completely the, the, it the is, Methodist yeah. background. And and we weren't looking for specifically for an apostolic church. We were just looking for a church. You know, I was still at home living with my mom and dad, and so was my younger sister Denise which is married to Anthony Stepp. Yeah. Okay. So we uh, we were still at home and uh, we were just kind of doing what mom and dad were doing. We we visited a uh, a small Baptist church here in town and just kind of looking, you know, and they just weren't happy with things that were going on at the time. And uh, and my one of my older brothers named Tommy had uh, visited the Jesus Name Tabernacle and uh, because of a man that worked with him at the we have a shipyard here that builds barges and uh he had uh, witnessed to tommy tommy at that time was uh what i call a hippie he, he had long hair beard earrings the whole thing pot smoker the whole, <laughs> the, the, the whole thing time. and uh he was um he, he came one night uh, brother mike mangold was uh was was uh, preaching a revival and um uh, of course, they're all from here, the, the Mangoes from the, this area. And uh, he was here preaching a revival, and Tommy came that night, and, uh, and uh, something changed on him. He was totally changed, and he came and asked us to come, my mom and dad, and, and all to come the next night. And uh, 
that's how we wound up in the Pentecostal church. We we came that night and, and actually saw him receive the Holy Ghost, something we've never seen before or heard about before, but we could see the, the, the change in his face, and the how countenance. How old were you? I was, uh, I was 18, almost 19. I, my birthday's in November, so this was in early November. Birthday's late November. 29th, if you want to send me a gift or anything, you know. <laughs> but the... Uh, uh, but we, uh, uh, you know, we, we saw this happen. We heard the message that Brother Mike Mangold was preaching, and it was just a basic uh, Acts 2.38 message. And uh, we saw him filled with the Holy Ghost. Actually, that, that night when, he, when we came, just from the first service he went to, he, he completely changed even on the outside. He had, he had shaved, got rid of the earrings, cut his hair. I mean, we were just blown away, him and his wife both. And... and um, and so that night he received the Holy Ghost. When we got home that night, I, first thing I told my mother was, we've been baptized wrong. I mean, I picked up Jesus' name baptism just out of one, <laughs> one service, you know, that, that I was in and, and heard the word. And, uh, but that, that's how we wound up here in, a, in the apostolic movement, uh, which, like you said, it was a, a total different, uh, a different religion, a, a total contrast from what So how long was, was it before you guys really <clears throat> bought into— uh, I know you said that you— um, understood right away that right. things just wasn't right. Mm. But how long was it until you guys really bought into the apostolic message? Because uh, it seems today it's it's a lot easier because preachers don't—I'm uh, about to step on toes, and I don't mean to. <laughs> preachers don't really preach hell, fire, brimstone anymore. Right, yeah. And it's, it's a lot easier to almost seek God out of fear Right. Whenever back in the day you get that kind of preaching, mm-hmm. to where now it's more of a lot of ministers, regardless the religion, is preaching Jesus as love. You right. know, it's not always. So, how long was it before you guys really bought into the apostolic movement? You know, it, it really it was a it was a pretty quick, pretty quick turnaround. Uh, I mean, I, I after I saw something in the Word of God that I'd never understood before or was never taught, and I, I began to really search for more. Because I was attending the services and watching these things going on that I wasn't. I'd only been to one Pentecostal service when I was probably 12 years old, just visiting with my mom with someone. And it just, you know, it was a wild, wild service. People running the building and just kind of didn't know what was going on as a 12-year-old and never experienced that. But when I came that night, you know, I, I really b- developed a hunger, I guess, and uh, and and started uh, started searching the Word and... and uh, and really getting into uh, uh, the word of the word of God and, and the changes and the things, and then it started happening to me. You know, I, I was baptized in Jesus' name, and and uh, I seek for the Holy Ghost for a little while. But but uh, we we had a men's or a men's prayer room and a ladies' prayer room that we prayed prior to services on Sunday night, and I received it in the prayer room. Wow! And uh, and and it was uh, it, it was an experience that. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I can't wow. explain it, you know, and, it, and it's it's stuck with me all all these years, and it's been a it's been a great experience. Uh, tell me about the community of Crothersville. What's the the community like that you pastor in? Well, we we are uh, actually a a community that has that is dwindled down, like most of them have. We're small town, kind of in the, that Delta area. That Delta area, our downtown isn't what it used to be, and uh, jobs aren't real uh, plenteous here. We do have a casino, 
I don't know if that's a plus or minus, but but we we do <laughs> if have. If you a, win, do you tithe? Uh, that's a, that we have to we have to tithe on winnings <laughs> and and lottery winnings. Okay, enough of the jokes, huh? But uh, <clears throat> but we're um, we're we're actually a, a, a poor community. Uh, I call us a welfare community. Uh, our population is down to around probably six thousand, somewhere in that area. We are the county seat uh, for Pimascott County. Uh, and so we have the courthouse and stuff here, but we're, uh, uh, we're the largest city in the county. Uh, we've got some other cities here, but they're smaller than Carruthersville. But, but the entire, actually these three counties in the, what they call the boot heel is, is uh, pretty, uh, 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 pretty well into poverty, um, a lot of welfare, uh, a lot of drug use, and, and things like that. Kind of sounds like Northeast Arkansas, except for Jonesboro. And it is. It, 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 yeah, it kind of all goes together uh, with but Northeast you, Arkansas. We're kind of jumping forward a little bit, but that's okay because it's mm -hmm. the way the conversation's moving. But being the, you, I believe you said the second poorest county in the state. In the state. Yeah, yeah I believe that's right. So, yeah. But, and having a drug driven in your county um, has brought revival into your church. Right. Um, ex yeah. <clears throat> explain that a little bit to our listeners. Okay. Uh, it, it's probably been about a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit longer, but I, uh, uh, first of all, let, let me say I started pastoring the church in 2013 after my brother-in-law left, uh, Anthony Stepp. But uh, I started actually being the pastor. I, I assisted for him and, and, uh, and Bishop Stepp, too, uh, over the years. But uh, uh, after getting, getting in for a little while, uh, uh, pastoring and all, uh, I, I felt I felt God was talking to me about uh, doing something different, reaching uh, reaching people that we I guess you could say have never really reached before. Uh, the best way I put it is the people that nobody else wants, uh, the people you see on the streets, the the people that are strung out on drugs, people that don't look like us, smell like us, act like us, and I just felt a heavy burden to to try to reach those people. I felt like God told me that that I need to reach those that are in the community where I'm at. Quit trying to reach out somewhere else. Quit trying to build a church that's like someone else's or try to bring in people that have money or people that can help the church in, in uh, physical ways and financial ways and things. And so we were, you know, and I really felt that. And, and I began to really preach it and try to you know get that across that we need to and i pray god open those doors yeah. send us the poor send us those that are hurting send us those that are addicted send us those that that are confused and buddy he did <laughs> you know he he opened the doors to that uh, that, that goes back to the old thing you know be careful what you pray for <laughs> but it, it it's been we have we have opened up in revival uh, with the with the uh, the I, I call them the addicted community uh, that we have here. Not all of it's a, uh, when you say addiction, you, a lot of people think of drug addiction or alcohol, but it, it's so much broader than that. We have yeah. we've had people come in that are just depressed, people that have uh, that have gone through uh, losing a loved one or something, and and they're and they don't know how to live anymore. And then of course you have a, a heavy uh, drug addiction. And, and their and their lifestyles, but but things have really been happening, and and uh, we have we have a guy that works with our recovery, uh, Carlton Cheryl, and he's uh, he's out of the out of that, and he knows you know how to reach these people, and 
and but we've we've been having revival. We we uh, we counted up uh, toward the end of the year in 2019. We probably baptized 30 of them. Wow, that's come out of that. You know, of course, all of them don't don't stick. I use that word, don't stick. <laughs> but uh, you know, but but we are preaching the word to them. I tell I tell Carlton, you know, get them get them in here, and we'll preach the word to them. We'll love them, uh, and 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 we're. We're, and, and we're doing that. We're we're loving them. They they've made comments that y'all treat us like humans, you know, where other churches don't. You know, and, as a pastor, how do you love someone that has nothing to offer you or has no love back for you? Yeah. How, how do you how do you how do you do that? Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty compassionate. Some, my wife tells me sometimes I'm I'm too good, <laughs> but uh, she kind of keeps Prove me alive. Give me a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But the, uh, uh, you know, I, it, it, all, it comes easy for me because I love people. I don't care who they are. I don't care if, they, if, if they're the person that, that pays the most tithe in the church or the person that don't pay tithe. You know, whatever. I love people. And, and, uh, and, and I, I love uh, talking to them, helping them, making them feel like they're somebody. And, and you, you mentioned that they have nothing to offer back, but they do. Uh, it, it's they they love me uh, they 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 love me as their pastor they've never had a pastor they've never had anyone that that would love them uh, unconditionally uh, when they when they come in we don't ask them to change clothes we don't ask them to to do anything different we let God take care of those things and and so uh, they 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 truly do love me and I love them and and uh, and uh, it's just a it's just a, a, a relationship that uh, comes easy for me how does your church people handle that i I think i think in large uh that everybody's on board with it uh uh, let me put it this way i haven't had anybody come to me and tell me that they don't like it you know uh there may be some that don't like it don't like the format that we're doing now it kind of changed a few things a lot of my preaching now is not so much for the church uh the the uh for lack of words, the old church, <laughs> you know, people that have been here for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but my, my preaching go is, is is more simplified in helping them to understand 100%. understand salvation and, and the right plan of salvation and, and things like that. The reason I ask that is because I heard a uh, story one time, and <laughs> no names will be mentioned, but um, there was a group of people um, that – came into an apostolic church, a Pentecostal church, and they were not your people that, um, I'll just say it, they were uh, a satanic worshiping mm-hmm. people, and uh, they wanted to come in on our church. Uh, and the people that was at the church was uh, kind of tense, maybe. And they uh, these people start, kept coming back and kept coming back, and they got baptized, and someone said, why in the world would you spend time on people like that? Why would you baptize people like that? And the response was perfect. It was, who do you want to reach? Right. The saved? Right. Who do you want to baptize? The saved? You yeah. know, there's there's a lost and dying world that's out there right. that <clears throat> it's almost like our um, churched people are scared to go out and reach. Why is that? Right. Well, and you know, even Jesus said that to them when they would question him on that, because he was questioned a lot on why are you hanging around these type of people when when you could be with the with the elite of the Jews, 
and all. And, you know, he told them that, you know, a, a, a person that's not sick doesn't need a physician. You know, if you, you know, yeah. that we're reaching for people that need God, that, that need these things and are willing to accept whatever, you know, that it, that it takes. You know, Jesus himself even went out, you know, and, and went to where the demon-possessed were. You know, he, he, he sought after those type of people. And and uh, and and I and I preach to I preach to our congregation and, and and these that are coming in that that what they have is not a sickness and I know that's a, a, a that's a big negative thing for me to say today in the, in this world we live in but alcoholism is not a disease and and drug addiction is not a disease you know it's a spirit we we're, we're dealing with spirits and that's what the apostolic church I believe is is uh, what makes us so much different than a lot of the other denominal churches is that we we still or at least this church does we stand up and say you can be delivered from whatever your addiction is you can be delivered from these things whether it be uh, sex abuse or 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 uh, sex addictions or drug addictions whatever yes. it is because they're spirits and that's what we specialize in <laughs> you know is is uh, is, is the spiritual world yes um as as a pastor um you have a lot of responsibilities of of ministering to people as they come in, and and being able to bring people uh, comfort uh, in situations that they face. Um, does it weigh on you as a pastor when you're preaching, uh, knowing the people that are going to be in your congregation and things they're dealing with? How how is it that a pastor preaches messages that he knows are for people in his church? or knows he's preaching things to people that are in his church that are dealing with certain things. How does that weigh on you as a pastor? Well, I, uh, I don't know. I, 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 preach a, I preach a lot of messages that I feel like God is, has uh, given me to preach. And a lot of times I come up with, you know, things will come up and, uh, in, in what I feel like God wants me to preach, and I know that they're, you know, that they're dealing with this or, or whatever. But I, I, uh, I, I try to follow the will of God and, and and uh, and preach those things. Rather, I know that they're dealing. With, a lot of times, I call it right out of the pulpit. You know that the, the drug addiction or or whatever it is, because you know they're sitting there. They know what they're going through. They know, and I think they need to hear someone say those words. Say that I know what you're going through. I, I'm I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything. I'm not trying to tell you that you you're you're saved today, you know, just by believing or whatever. But we, you know, we we preach it. Uh, me and me and my other ministry staff, we preach and teach, you know, it, uh, whatever God brings to us, and it doesn't matter if it if we know that they're going through that or not. I, I, really, I think it's better to be able to 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 preach that, you know, that that we know what people are going through. You know, afterwards, a lot of times you, you know, you, you as a pastor, a lot, a lot of times you have people walk up, you know, good, good, uh, good preaching today. That was a good message, whatever. But, but when you have some of these that are out of this uh, uh, addicted world, uh, out of the homeless world, and all that comes up to you and say, "That's just what I needed to hear. I've never had anyone tell me that before," and things like that. That's that's the reward. That's what keeps me going. <laughs> you know, it's knowing that that I am. I am preaching something to them that that is actually uh, uh, God-given and that is actually touching their hearts and touching their minds and making them think different and live different. Yeah, that's certainly yeah. some of the some of the best feedback is whenever it's people that haven't been around forever. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, do you ever feel like um, God has given you these people um, that you have an extra responsibility on your shoulders because? 
like you just said with Jesus, you weren't getting the cream of the crop. You weren't right. getting the elite status. You were getting the people that was, you're the last option. My other option is I'm going to end it all. Yeah, in the world's yeah. eyes, they're nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a well, massive and, role. And, and I do, uh, I, I do feel like that you know every every town, uh, small or large, whatever. There's multiple multiple churches, you know, and and if if we're the one that can help these people, and I, and I feel like God has, uh, I, I believe God has put us in this place for that. It's it's uh, it, it's totally different than what we've done before. Uh, we we do things a little bit different. Uh, and all, and uh, but it, it's it's for them, and I, I feel like in the community we're probably the only church that is actually reaching out to them in the way that we're reaching out to them. We're not just, and and I told them right up front, you know, I I'm, we're not here. I said if you think you've walked into a rich church that can give you money and can give you stuff that you need, I said you're you're wrong. I said we we uh, we struggle like everybody else. I said we sometimes we we struggle to play that pay the electric bill in the summer and things like that. We're a beautiful church, beautiful uh, place that we're at, but we're not a rich people. And and uh, I always like to use the, uh, the in the scripture where where the uh, it says silver and gold have I none, yeah. but what I have I give thee. And, yes. and and we've done some we've done a couple of street services and we're going to do them again as the weather gets better. But at the in the fall we did a couple of street services, had great turnout and that's what we're pushing. We can't give you, you know, if you need if you need money, you need food stamps, you need food, things like that. Go to the Ministerial Alliance, go to DAOC, go to go to these government programs. They've got those things, and we can't give you that. But what we have, we can give you, and and we're we're, we're preaching and teaching that that you come here, and and you and you follow the Word of God. You follow what God God's uh, salvation plan is for the for the church today. Then then you can you can receive power to overcome and you can get your life back you know most of these people that come in here are are uh, they've lost everything they're they're living on the street uh they're you are seriously the last resort yes and yes. and a lot of them and they and, and what started all of this was carlton Cheryl again uh, i believe god i believe god sent him to us and God did a special thing for him. I tell him that all the time, <laughs> that God did a special thing for him because most people can't quit cold turkey. He quit everything cold turkey. I mean, he didn't have to go through programs. He didn't have to sit through church services for, for six months to, to start weaning away from cigarettes, weaning away from alcohol and, and, uh, and the, the meth. He was, he was on, you know, he was hardcore stuff. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I believe, I, I believe God sent him to us because then when he changed, they started coming to him. What have you done? How did you do this? I want off this stuff too. How did, you know, and, and I think that's what's opened the door. They've realized. And then when they come here, we, we treat them like people. You know, come and sit up here. You know, everybody comes around and shakes their hand. Uh, and and, and they're, they're, they're treated like normal human beings. Thank God. And, 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 it, and it makes a difference. It makes a big difference because Carlton knows all of them. They feel comfortable with him. And then they, they feel comfortable with me. And, and the rest of our staff, and it's it's just been it's just been a I feel like a God sent revival in in the, in this group of people in the community. How does 
How, how does um, financially, how does your church, I know this is a little bit of a transition, how does your church survive being in the economic climate that it's in? Because when you, I look around this area, there's a lot, like I could name a very prominent church not too far from here that has closed down. How does Crothersville still survive? Is it just, do you believe it's something because of the mission that you have, God always makes a way of provision? Um, is it something that you do as a pastor of financially uh, structuring the church? Or is it a mix of both? What's the answer of why this church is here, such a big and beautiful facility, when other churches in this area aren't there? Yeah. Well, I, I, I believe it's a I believe it's a God thing. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like paying your tithe. God's gonna God's gonna provide when it when it looks like you can't make it or whatever. Uh, our our church is still able to support all of the. Uh, all of the missions we have missionaries that we support we do she's for christ christmas for christ save our children we do all of those united pentecostal church things we participate in all of them god's always blessed the church sometimes it's like our own finances we wonder sometimes or you know, where's that it, blessing it, it's getting lower and lower you know but it seems like we're always able to uh, pull out this uh uh we're, we're by no means hurting, but we're not, like I say, we're not a rich church. We're not sitting on CDs, and we're not. Uh, there's things that needs to be done around here that we hadn't been able to do yet physically. But we're concentrating most of our time and and energy and finances on on reaching people. You know, I've got two vans out there. We uh, we we pump a lot of gas into them, and uh, the 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 community that we're reaching, uh, most of them don't have driver's license. They don't have uh, uh, modes of transportation, and they need to be picked up for everything we have. Uh, we're we're picking up people three and four times a, a week for Bible studies wow. and, and different so things. What I'm you what know. I'm hearing, Brian, is you're not investing in stocks and CDs. You're no. investing in the kingdom. Right. Exactly. And yeah. because you're doing that, God is blessing your efforts. I, I believe that. I, wow. I, you know, we we have a we have a core group of people here that are that are uh, uh, good supporters that always have been. And uh, and they they support the church and their tithe and offerings and but but one thing about Carlton, uh, he learned the concept of paying tithe, and and he teaches them. So uh, that's crazy because there's people that's been in the church for thirty years that understand that concept yet. And we've got some of them here. You know, they, all the churches have them. <laughs> yeah. And but but these people, and I hate to keep referring them to that, but the 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 addicted community that we're preaching to. And, and reaching out to when when they get in here they learn that concept and they are so willing to do that i mean they they might not make but you know a hundred dollars this week but they're going to pay their ten dollars tithe wow. you know and so when, wow. when when we're doing the books you've got all of these people paying tithe they may not be paying a lot but they're doing their part of what god requires and what what we what we believe god requires and and they uh and and they're they're there to support whatever happens you know call a work day they're here a lot of our regulars aren't <laughs> you know mm. and it, it's just a, they're they're eager to work and and that's what keeps it going I, I really believe that because we we're pouring into that and god is god is blessing us back with it that is incredible i want to talk let's shift a little bit i want to talk about something very tragic that happened here at your church um anybody who knows anything about Southeast Missouri, Southern Illinois, Western Kentucky, Northeast Arkansas. We're right in the middle where a lot of storms like to happen. Right. And you were straight in the path of that. Um, I, I heard a little bit about your story when we came up here to do a seminar 
uh, we we had lunch with you and you told right. us a little bit about the story. Mm-hmm. But I would like for you to go all the way back at the beginning. There's all some right. funny parts. There's some there sad is. parts. Uh, but you were a part of the fire department at the time. At I the believe. time, yeah. yeah. So tell us the story about the day the church got taken away. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I worked for the city of Crothersville for uh, several years. I just actually uh, retired in uh, in October of 19. Uh, I'm, I was a water supervisor uh, specialist for the city of Crothersville, and, and uh, I felt like God wanted me to quit the job. And we stepped out in faith, and so I'm full-time pastoring now. Prior to that, I had just retired uh, after uh, 37 years with the Crothers of Fire Department as captain, and uh, that was in October of 18, and I stepped down from that. But uh, during the time that we had a uh, tornado come through, we, we actually bought this building from a Church of Christ in uh, 2004. The building was built in the 60s. We completely remodeled it. and. Uh, and the, yeah, these they, doesn't look like a church from the city. Right, right. The, I was just going to say, these guys are sitting here, and they can see the. They, it's a really beautiful uh, sanctuary, if yes. I have to say so myself. <laughs> but uh, we, we, uh, we remodeled the building, and, uh, and it, 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 in it for two years, uh, April the 2nd of uh, 2006, we had an F3 tornado uh, come through. And uh, we uh, actually had been... Uh, my my brother-in-law Anthony Step was pastor then. I was his assistant, and um, I was on the fire department. And we had been watching this storm. There was actually three of them coming across the state, and uh, we were, we had I'd been watching this storm all day long. And uh, this was on a Sunday, and uh, we had uh, we had church uh, as usual at six o'clock, and uh, in the p.m. and uh, I'd been watching this monster of a storm, and it actually, it actually started in Marmaduke, Arkansas, and uh, it got on the ground in Marmaduke. This tornado did, and it stayed on the ground until it got to the Mississippi River here in Missouri. Wow! And uh, it was three quarters of a mile wide. I just showed them a picture of it. It's pretty scary looking. It was a, a huge tornado. It was coming uh, right out of uh, due east. Uh, I mean, west, headed to the uh, east. And uh, the city of Kennett had actually called uh, the city of Crothersville and said, look, this tornado is just outside our city limits, but it, it, is, uh, it is headed due east towards Crothersville. Y'all need to take cover. So this thing's big, and it's staying on the ground. It's been on the ground since Marmaduke, Arkansas. And so uh, we began to prepare and uh, uh, for it um, when the... Uh, I kind of left the service watching the monitors out here on the we had it on the on a weather radar and then I had my radio equipment with me from the fire department listening and the uh, as as it came as it was getting closer to us I I I got a hold of uh, Pastor Step and told him that we needed to clear the sanctuary that this this was a bad tornado headed our way and so we uh, we got everybody out. Uh, into the hallways. Now, there, this building is, is concrete block, so there's quite a bit of protection here. And uh, we got into the hallways, but for a while, we just kind of stood around looking at it because it was way out there, but it, it looked like a huge cloud coming. And most people were saying, that's not a tornado. And I said, it is a tornado. <laughs> you know, it's, it's headed for us. And, uh, and so uh, as it got closer, uh, different people, I, I told people, I said, if, you're, if you want to leave, you need to leave now. You know, because this thing's getting closer and it's going to be bad. And uh, 
uh, most of the people stayed. And, uh, of course, there's some funny stories like we kind of talked about earlier about <laughs> different ones leaving. And uh, That's you, Harold uh, Goolsby. <laughs> Harold Goolsby. If you're listening, <laughs> we'll use you. Yeah, he, he's actually the one. He left. Uh, he had a, hum, a Hummer then. Yeah. And he left and went into town and made a left onto Truman Boulevard where the tornado was coming that way. And uh, he met it. <laughs> Getting away from it, he met it. And uh, there was a, a big bus barn there of our school system. Had a big covered barn there for the buses to be stored, and it just it imploded in front of him. And uh, of course, he was he was just uh, he was just uh, a few hundred feet from being out of the being into the safety zone. So he he just gagged it right on through the bus Ooh. the bus barn being imploded and and got away from it. But we had some people did, leave. Did you, did you hear about what he said whenever he saw that happen? Uh-uh. Margaritos. <laughs> <laughs> For people who don't know, Harold Goolsby. He's actually a member of our church now, and uh, a while back, he submitted a commercial for the Super Bowl for the Dorito yes. commercial. He owns, oh. dem- he owns a demolition company, and they had done something where like a vehicle was being <laughs> demolished. And there was Doritos and, in and, that car. And there was a crane. The crane reached down and pulled out a bag of Doritos, and he goes, more Doritos! <laughs> but I, I, I have I a feeling see that. that Harold Goolsby, whenever that storm saw him, it probably turned around and went the other direction. He's a big guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. That may be why the storm stopped where it was at and, and yeah. went across the river because of Harold but I don't know <laughs> but we we had uh, we had instructed everybody to get in the we've got two hallways uh, wings like most churches are built and and the people got down in the hallways and just kind of ducked down like they taught us in elementary school cover your head and duck down and uh, we rode it out and uh, it was uh, it, it was an experience I've never been through that before and don't really want to do it again <laughs> but uh, it, it was it was pretty crazy so uh, what what all damage did it do to your church? You showed us some pictures, but yeah. to to our audience, and if you would, I'd like for you to send me those pictures so we can oh, share yeah. it on our social okay. media. Yeah, yeah, we we uh, we suffered quite a bit of damage. The uh, we we have a rather large building. It's got uh, sanctuary in the middle, two wings, and then and then a fellowship hall. And at that time, it was an office wing on the end. And it uh, uh, we lost every window in it, uh, all the roofs. And the sanctuary actually uh, suffered the most damage. It took the entire front wall out of the sanctuary. And, of course, in a twister, it's doing just that. It's twisting. So everything was, was being turned uh, and, and, uh, and thrown in, a, in a, all the same direction. So all of the front wall blocks and everything, uh, you know, dumped right back into the building. And, uh, and, but we, we had suffered. Uh, actually, we maxed out, maxed out our insurance policy on it to, to try to get it put back together. Uh, but we, uh, but ironically, I'm just telling these guys that uh, uh, all of the furniture, the furniture, the Your instruments, pulpit. the pulpit, even the even our theatrical lighting, our our uh, sound system, everything was saved. Uh, it was what I call a dry tornado. Uh, there was no rain in it, and so we had time to remove everything out of here that wasn't damaged. And uh, so today, looking at our sanctuary, all of the all of the chairs on the platform, even the drum, uh, the the drum kit, and the uh, uh, what do you call that thing, <laughs> drum oh, cage, the cage, yeah. <laughs> the cage, all of that rode through the tornado. Wow! And uh, we we had to replace maybe three pews and two chandeliers. Three pews. Yeah, that's it. and, and carpeting, of course, and all of that. But and the walls and the roof and all had to be replaced. That we, uh, we suffered quite a bit of damage. All the cars, you have to remember cars on the parking lot. Oh, yeah. We were having church. had about 150 people here. So all their cars were completely destroyed out on the parking lot. It was a mess. Was anybody injured? 
Uh, no, not not anything. Uh, we had um, we had an elder, elderly gentleman in the hallway we were in. The ceiling actually came down about four feet on top of us, and uh, he uh, he he suffered uh, just a, a a scratch on his head. Didn't have to have stitches. Had some blood there. A couple other people, maybe just some scratches. And, wow. and actually, in Pemiscott County, no one was. Uh, uh, or let me rephrase that, in Carothersville. There was one death in Pemiscott County, out in the county. But in Carothersville, there were no there were no serious injuries or death. And one reason was our I'll go back to our fire department. We had a guy that was uh, that was the engineer there and he stayed at the station not knowing what was coming or whatever and, and kept reblowing our siren for twenty three minutes. So we had a twenty three minute warning for people to take cover. This tornado's coming. And uh, but when it crossed the river and went into Tennessee, it, it killed about 23 people over there. Wow! So, so God's what, hand was really truly on yes. you all. Mm -hmm. Wow! So after so that was in, in 20, 2006, 2006, and you took yeah. pastoralship here when in 13, in 13. 2013. So yeah. talk to us a little bit about that transition. Um, so you come where, here. Where did y'all have church, by the way, before? Oh the yeah, when all this happened. Well, that's, that, that, that's a that's a good thing too about a small community. Uh, the Temple Baptist Church here, we're good friends with them, and uh, they allowed us to use their facility uh, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon between their morning and evening service. And so, uh, of course, with a Baptist church, they didn't have a lot of the instruments and things we had, but we would uh, we had an electric drum set, and we would drag that stuff in and the guitars and things, and we'd have I'll our service right at now, 2. Your musicians did not like you. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but that that was uh, that was nice of them because we didn't have we didn't have anything here that we could use, and so the first thing we did was we went down to the uh, down to the far east end where our fellowship hall is at, mm -hmm. and we completely done it first, remodeled it, got it back going, and we had church in the fellowship hall while we had the because the sanctuary was damaged really bad with walls missing and roof the whole missing. ceiling missing yeah, yeah. and so they. Uh, uh, it took almost a year to get this back, you know, where we could have church here. So we were in the we were in the Baptist church for six months, and then we we were in this uh, fellowship hall for six months before we could move back into into here. Are there things yeah. where you can look back over this time and you can say, "Oh, that's the reason why God allowed that to happen." Like, were there some God moments through that? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, of course, I wouldn't even couldn't even speculate on what all yeah. could have happened in that. But but is there looking back and you see? Oh, here's the reason why that's that That's specifically why I was wanting to go into your transition because yeah. all these things happen for a reason. Like you came here as a as a person, I'm not going to say a child, but as an 18-year-old looking for something. Right. And you, you yeah. go through all this. Yeah. Is, is there something like Brian said? Yeah, well, and, and one of, let me start with the physical things. Uh, it was kind of a blessing with uh, that our building was damaged, if you can put it that way. But the, uh, we were able to, when we first moved in, we, we weren't able to do anything to the fellowship hall or this wing on the other end, which my wife and I live there now. We have a parsonage there, a three-bedroom apartment down on, on the west wing. And so that was just left empty. We didn't even use it, and the Church of Christ never used it. And the fellowship hall was really outdated. Uh, and so after the tornado, we were able to remodel those areas, make them what they are today, and this foyer. I don't know if you notice when Beautiful you come in with yeah. a great, a, a great big high ceiling foyer with a huge chandelier in it. That was not that was not there. It was just a flat eight foot ceiling all the way across 
when it originally before the tornado. So, yeah, physically a lot of things changed. We put the sanctuary back just like it was. We led the color scheme and and everything. We did a we did um, make our platform a little larger on the ends. You know, after you're here for a couple of years, and we made a bigger sound booth. <laughs> you know, and stuff like. But everything else has been the same. Uh, as far as as far as uh, our community, uh, the tornado changed our community. Uh, we lost population. Uh, we lost uh, we lost jobs. We lost businesses. Uh, we had uh, I, I think the number was seventy percent of our residential area was damaged in some way or, no, or the other. Wow. So we lost a lot of population. Uh, we we did get uh, we did get a new school system out of it, but our our school system suffered for the first four or five years my actually my my son uh justin uh he he when he graduated he was the first class to graduate out of the fema trailers our high school was destroyed and our middle school and so they brought in a bunch of fema trailers uh, uh kind of like office units and made uh, which were made for school and uh, uh so they they suffered you know and the population suffered because of it uh, but i think it brought us around to a place to where we're, we're able to minister to the type of people we're ministering to now. Uh, you know, a lot of the people that could leave left, you know, to find something better to, or not rebuild or mm -hmm. whatever. But a lot of the people that couldn't leave stayed here. And, and, uh, and, and, and maybe, maybe even the fact that the, uh, maybe the drug scene got bigger or something or whatever and I believe that's why God has put us where we're at today and because of that that population is so prevalent here now and it may be because of the uh, the, the tornado you know we we even lost our Walmart I mean they they pulled out a few mm. years later because our our community had just gotten gotten down to to nothing you know and um, yeah definitely definitely changes we can see spiritually citywide and and uh, even uh, church as so you brought up your kids a little bit. Um, I know Randall and mm -hmm. Justin, and you have another son. Um, I have a, a my youngest son is named John Connor, and he's in the military. Correct? He was was uh, he was uh, in the Marine Corps. Okay, and he has a story. I don't know if you've heard it. With That's the, why I'm bringing yes, it up. Yes, uh, <laughs> he he was in the in the Marine Corps, stationed in California. Uh, he, he had decided to to just stay the four years, and his four years was coming up, and he was getting ready to get out. They already had his paperwork done and all, and 10 days before he was dismissed, uh, discharged, uh, he he hadn't been feeling good for several weeks, and he uh, finally got to uh, the right doctor, their own base, and they found they did blood work and found out he had uh, uh, ALL, uh, uh, a type of leukemia. And uh, uh, so at that point, they began to treat him for that, and um, he... Uh, he stayed another year out there, and, and my wife went out there with him uh, for the treatments. They uh, they they extended his his uh, his time so that he could get treatments there with the uh, with the military. And I'll have to say that that was uh, definitely a godsend. Uh, I don't think God sent leukemia, but uh, you know if we uh, if there was a, a time to get leukemia, that was a good time uh, for him. Uh, because of the military treatment, he was he was treated well. Uh, Wounded Warriors, uh, Semper Fi Fund, all of these. Uh, uh, some of you may be familiar with that, but uh, uh, my wife was able to stay with him as a caretaker in, in a Wounded Warriors barracks at the uh, Balboa Hospital in San Diego, 
and uh, through his treatments and um, uh, the, the church was good to us to let us go back and forth my wife pretty well stayed out there the whole 13 months and uh, and uh, I came back and forth uh, we met some really great people uh, out there uh, churches that that uh, that was with us and and uh, and helped us along along the way and uh, but uh, John John's back home uh, he's doing well uh, he lives here in Crothersville with us and uh, helps around the church here different things and and uh, but he's he's doing well he's uh, he's been in remission uh, since uh, about a, a three weeks after he was first diagnosed he's been in remission and um, he's uh, in November of 2020 will be his last treatment he still goes once a month to uh, Vanderbilt and uh, in Nashville uh, for a monthly treatment and uh, but one, uh, in November that should be done but he's doing well God's That's been awesome. good through it all that is awesome so whenever he was in his first four years um, how did that affect you as a father not not as a pastor not as a mm -hmm. spiritual leader but to the parents yeah. that are facing this right now right what what do you hold what did you hold on to now are you talking about the actual military, military life, joining the yes, military yes. yes well I, I was actually I was actually proud of him uh, I can't say so much of the the, the mother yeah the mother has a different opinion on their sons going to the military or their daughters uh, but uh, I was proud of him as a dad I, uh, I I wasn't in the military but a lot of my family was my dad served in World War two and uh, we we were very proud of him uh, going to the Marine Corps and uh, it, it I believe it really helped him a lot um, John wasn't the type to uh, to just go hog wild you know a lot of them do they get out of the house he, he went in the military just right after high school graduated in May and he was he was uh, he was gone in late June you know and and so uh, uh, he was he was ready to go and and uh, he served his time and served it well and and uh, but I, I was proud of him his, his mom was also proud of him but she worried you know like any mother would worried a lot I worried too you know when especially when things would come up that uh uh, conflicts in the world and you think are they going to send them over you know or whatever and uh, we uh, but but we we were we were blessed in that sense too we um, he went to boot camp uh, in San Diego and uh, we wound up meeting uh, one of the chaplains uh, there uh, at general conference that year and began to tell him about our son and he said oh yeah I know John and uh, there was another boy from our community named Jake that went with with John, and they would meet up at church together. And uh, and uh, ironically, there uh, at uh, at the boot camp in San Diego, they actually had an apostolic church there. So your and, son did serve God through all of the military. Yes, he did. That's yeah. awesome. Yep. Yeah. And uh, there was there was always uh, always churches there that that he could attend and. Uh, and, and especially the, this one church and, and we were so thankful it, it was such a god thing that we met that that we met the, the chaplain there at general conference and he knew our son you know and and uh, when we Makes started you proud doesn't it? yes and he he knew and he said yeah he comes every service him and jake and they come up and and pray and cry and you know we we have a, we have good prayer time together so yeah so we're we're, we're very thankful for I want to ask John you a question that we ask a lot of our pastors that are on. Um, it's, it's seriously one of my favorite questions. Who are some men or women in your life that have shaped you to who you are today? Well, first and foremost would be my father-in-law, John Stebb. You know, I, I was I was new in this, and he uh, 
uh, he he helped me along the way. I think he wanted me to be a to be a good apostolic person because I was dating his daughter. <laughs> but uh, and and uh, we laugh about that a lot of times because I I came into his house you know with a, a shaggy hair and and didn't know anything about apostolic or the Pentecostal religion and and he took me right in and he's taught me a lot and and uh, a, a great guy. There there there's there's others that. Uh, we're, we're we're great friends with the with the Dowdies in Mattoon, Illinois, uh, brother Daryl Dowdy and brother Shine. Yeah. You know, brother Shine's about our age and all. But brother Dowdy and sister Dowdy when she was living, and uh, just just great people that that we've that we've come in contact with, and and then there's just several of the of the uh, ministers in Missouri, the uh, district leaders and different ones of. It, it, it's a great district to be in and great people and uh, to mentor from but uh, yeah great people in in our life it's a big district yes uh do you guys do where do you guys do your, your district meetings at is it in st louis normally in st louis uh of course we're in the boot hill so we're you know we're kind of closer to arkansas and tennessee but right but uh, we yeah most of the district meetings are are in st louis now they're doing something different this year and they they and it's actually at the end of the month uh, they've busted up the camp meeting instead of having it all in st louis in one week they're they're they've split it into i think five different regions so ours is at the end of the month we're going to be in popper bluff at the uh, black river coliseum and uh trying to pull the uh, different uh, Different sections will go to different areas of the That'll state. That'll be great because yeah. not everybody can afford to travel and miss right. time and yeah. stuff like that. And, and yeah. that's the way it usually turns out. You know, that you have a, a great – a lot of people come from the St. Louis area because they're, they're right there in St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. So well, we, we always end with a couple of different segments. First of all, thank you for spending some time mm -hmm. with us here. Um, if Before we get to our final two segments, if a – um, fellow minister or pastor feels it upon themselves to start a recovery process in their church and ministry because it's so evident speaking to you and Brother Cheryl before you, mm -hmm. um, which I believe his episode will release before yours. Um, so you've heard his story already. Oh, yeah. But um, how would you go about starting a ministry like this? And um, if you don't have a burden for it, how can you spark a burden for somebody? Because this is this is a um, a group of people that are very desperate and are very um, present in our communities. Right. Yeah. They're they're in most communities. Uh, we we've gotten several phone calls from different churches when uh, uh, we when they they see us somewhere. We, we'll we'll take groups of them to different things, and uh, they're usually the ones that are wild and shouting and having a good time. <laughs> but they have something to shout about. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the I, I think the I think the key thing is in in, in prayer. You need to you, you need to pray for someone like I've got a Carlton Cheryl. Uh, yes, you right. need that person. When we have our meetings on Monday nights, and and I I got a lot of this information from uh, Brother Keen's church in New Madrid, Missouri. They that's the first one we went to. We wanted to see how what they were doing. And we bus people to to that meeting for a couple of weeks, and then we decided to do our own. We had so many, but one one of the key things is is once you get that person, you've got to have that person that that believes that what they're doing is is a godly thing, that it's not about uh, it, it's not about programs, it's not about the uh, the the 
the the stuff that the state can offer or anything that it, it is faith based and and that's what we are and and uh, and get that key person that and you got to have that person that has that has been brought out of it i i can't help those people i can't yeah. teach them i've never been there you know and and i can't help them so when we have those meetings my wife and i will go down and help maybe we, we serve food at 6 30 we feed them before the session so we'll go down and help serve food shake their hand meet the new people and things like that but then we leave and one of the one of the things that, that they told me at the new madrid church was you know that they're intimidated a lot of times by uh, church people if i put it that way uh, and the ministry yes because they they don't want to tell their story in front of you know they're maybe they're Just a little anybody, embarrassed or yeah. something like that yeah. but when they're in a room with people that are going through the same thing they're going through and one of the biggest things we do at the meetings is is to uh, uh, is to let them talk about what their life's been like and where they're at today and things and then someone else in the room says oh my I'm not the only one, you know, and, and things. So so we try to pull out of that. And, and so the, the key to it, the very first thing you've got to do, pray fast, whatever you have to do for God to send you somebody. You know, the, the first thing I did, I didn't have any idea God was sending me anybody, and I had no idea what we were going to do, and I didn't even know of any churches that was doing it. I just said, God, I feel a burden for people, and Lord, if, if you'll send them to us, we'll do something. And And God started sending them. And, and one of the first ones he sent was Carlton Sherrill. And, and God did a miraculous thing for him. And with him, then he started bringing them in by the bushel. What, what <laughs> yeah. burdens you to to want to do this? Because there's so many other things that you could pray for. But yeah. what gave you the burden to pray for this this group of people? Well, I don't know, brother. What, what burdens us to do anything? You know, it, it's just something that something that God spoke to me about uh, you know that that these people are hurting and I didn't even realize how bad it was I just knew that there was a bad drug problem here and and I just felt like that God wanted to do something with that and I was willing to let God use me you know I'd been to I'd been to conferences and different things and that that's usually where us where us pastors and preachers get what we need, yeah, you know, recharge. is the recharge. And while we're at the altars, when, you know, someone walks up and, and, and speaks something to you, you know, and I've had at, at some of our Missouri conferences and things, I've had, had it prophesied to me that I would be the pastor of this city and things like that. And, you know, and I have no idea what that meant, you know. And, and so maybe those things are coming. And really, I, I don't know where that burden come from other than God. You know, I just, yeah. um, you know, I don't have a, I have a burden for all people, and I and I try to be, uh, I I try to respect people, no matter who they are, and no matter what background they are, and and try to treat them the same way. Tony asked about um, who were some people that helped shape you. What are some resources that have helped shape your ministry? Some maybe some books, um, something that you would recommend a young minister out there that's been formative to you, that's that's given you a lasting effect, something that's changed the way you think about certain things, or uh, how you go about um, structuring things? Well, I'm not a real structured person. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, but I, and I'm not, a, I'm not a really a big reader. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, I don't. I've got a lot of books. I've read some of them, but I'm not. I'm just not a big reader. Finally, someone and, I can relate to. <laughs> yeah, I, I just never have, and I've tried. You know, I've, I've. Uh, people say, "Have you read this book?" No. <laughs> you know, I'll buy it, and then I'm like, 
it's still laying on my desk. But I, I, I guess most of my resources I, I, that, that I go back to is I, I listen to a lot of preaching. I, I go back and uh, I, I do buy. I'm one of those uh, old school that still buys the DVDs and and things like that. And who's and, your favorite and, preacher? Well, I, I That's get a hard question. Well, I, I tell you, the first one that pops in my mind is is, is Brother J. W. Arnold. You know, of one of, you know, and just you know the the stuff that the stuff that he preaches is just down to earth and 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 relates to you know who we are and what Thank we're doing. Thank God for men like that as well. Yes, yeah, but there, there's so many out there. Yeah, it I mean, makes we, it easy to listen to as well. I mean, he keeps your attention. Yes, from the word go. Yeah, you know, we we Kim and I go to to uh, uh, Bot because of the times. We'll go places like that. We'll go different what do you think places. About this year, I, it, it was it was different, it, mm-hmm. and I. I positively different mm-hmm. i think it was a a, a real, real good it, it definitely spoke to the ministry you know i know that's what it's geared for but sometimes it don't go that direction correct yeah. but but it was it was definitely it was definitely good did we you come it. back with the flu no i didn't i did yeah <laughs> I, I heard I, several people did yeah, Brian I, came I, home with. yeah I, that was what i took away from because the times was, <laughs> was, was, was type b flu and melissa had type a yeah I, did you take a flu shot not before I no yeah. no but, but, but like I, so like sunday we had just got back and on sunday we started having a cough or whatever and and i had to preach sunday night and so i preached through it or whatever well, i got home and i was like well you know i have a sore throat or whatever well i got on word share and i noticed that a bunch of people were like they were like hey who all caught the uh, the the flu virus at, <laughs> at because of times i'm like oh no you know at a, at a venue that big it, it's yeah. pretty easy to do even if they did give us all uh, uh the mm-hmm. the hand sanitizer they yeah, pass those out to everybody yeah, <laughs> like yeah but everybody's yeah. laying hands on each other and stuff like that yeah and, uh yeah. man but anyway so yeah we yeah. we went to the doctor sure enough tuesday because monday after i got back from work i started feeling terrible and sure enough i had type b she had mm-hmm. type a and that that was that was. And I apologize fun. to all of our listeners that had to endure that podcast where you were coughing nonstop. Oh, oh. yeah, there was a few there. <laughs> now, I just now got over the cough just a couple of days ago. Oh mercy! And so it, it had yeah. me laid up. But that was that was a great yeah. conference. Well, that, well, that, well, we had a stuff. we just had a new grandbaby. That's where we were mm-hmm. at. We were at Justin's in uh, yeah. he's in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, at Brother Browning's church there. And we we uh, so we, still we just that guitar. He does. He's a good guitar player. <laughs> yeah, and he. Uh, uh, we just had the grandbaby, and one of the one of the things the doctor said, we want, you know, anybody that's, that's planning on holding this baby needs to have flu shot. Uh-huh. So we yes. got our flu shot so we couldn't get kicked out of the room or anything for not having it. <laughs> well, we're going to, before we wrap up, the last thing we like to do for our guests is give them the next couple of minutes to open floor. Um, this is where Brian and I really love to tune in to what God's dealing with you about, something that he's laid on your heart, something that, um, you know, we have, may have missed to ask you or something like mm-hmm. that. What is something that is really being burdened to you right now? Well, I, I think we, I think we probably spoke of that. Um, my, my biggest, my biggest burden and, and flame right now is, is this, uh, is this recovery program that we're in. It seems to be what, what's driving our church and, uh, uh, you know, what? church goes on you know we we do our normal thing we still have our sunday school and our youth department and and all the things but one of the one of the big things is driving us right now is um is the recovering community in in our church and in in the community it's it's getting bigger and bigger and so it it still remains i guess the biggest burden in my life right now is to see this church thrive uh, even though it may be through uh, through a a a, a different a different avenue than what is more traditional 
uh, for church. We're, we're reaching people and bringing people in that, that, uh, uh, that are living together, that are smoking, that, are, that don't live like we live, uh, don't do the things that we do. And, and it's, it's, a, uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a burden. It, it's a burden to see that done. I want to do, I want to see more things done in the community. Uh, I would love, love to see, and of course Carlton works in that area, but to, to see more homes available for, for people that, that are homeless and, uh, and things like that, and, 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 to, and to just keep, keep pushing in that area. I feel like that, that's the greatest burden that I have right now is, is for, um, it, it is for the, the, the recovery uh, people that are in our community. Tony, almost 50 episodes in. Can you believe we've made it this far? I can't. It, but I will say one thing. It has brought us all the way to Crothersville, Missouri. I can say one thing. Mm-hmm. I think Brother Zane Isaacson has got a um, a guy challenging his crazy shirts. Yeah, yeah. This is a this <laughs> that's is a great an shirt. Incredible Thank shirt. You. Is that an Alan Flosser? I have no idea. <laughs> we'll have to ask your wife that. Too. That is that's a, right. That is an awesome shirt. Brother Lee, thank you yeah. so much. You're yeah, welcome. Thank you so much. Enjoyed the, it. Again, you've got such a beautiful facility, uh, and and I, I'm excited. You know, we talk after talking to Carlton, what God's doing here in this community. I love the board you have over here. Of all, I think you told me about 70 names that are either in your programs or you're praying for, uh, reaching out to a community. And and there's a there, you talked about Jeff Arnold. Well, Jeff Arnold in the podcast we did with him. Um, that I was listening to as we were on our way over here. And um, he told a story about how he's going through an airport in um, uh, Atlanta, and he talked about how – so this is a good way. If you guys want more details in the story, go back and listen to that. Shameless. But shameless plug. <laughs> uh, there's a story where he, he said he was going through the Atlanta airport, and God spoke to him and said, hey, go look at the picture. And long story short, he went over and he looked at a picture. It was of Tiger Woods um, putting the 18th hole, and it's raining – and the caddy's holding the umbrella over his head, and the caption under the picture says that a true winner um, doesn't wait for ideal circumstances, but he plays the hand that he's dealt. Right. And and I think that it's beautiful that here in this community where Amen. you can you can many people could look at it and be like, really, Crothersville, Missouri, uh, a place that's in the Delta, uh, a place that's got so much addiction in it something a, a place that's in decline the church it, you know there's not just very many prominent churches around to have fellowship with i mean you're kind of in the middle of nowhere in the boot hill of missouri but a true winner doesn't wait for an ideal circumstance but he plays the hand that he's dealt and you saw an opportunity while you were here that there's a need and you became an answer to their question and I thank you for that. And I thank all of our listeners out there, and I hope that this encourages you to look at the circumstances that you're in and see what you can do to bring ministry to it because there's an opportunity somewhere in every mess that we're in or every situation we find ourselves in, and there's life beyond the circumstance, and there's ministry through the problem. This has been The Crucial Conversation. Hey guys, this is Brian, and I'm Tony, and you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast.